You may be seated. So there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. In essence, he was saying, Father, I can't wait until you die in order to get my inheritance. I want it now. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't want your son saying that to you. (laughs) But instead of wanting to live with his father and spend time with him, he wanted the things that his father owned so that he could use them for his own pleasure. He did not want to spend time with his father. He wanted his father's stuff. We are like this with our heavenly father. We we seek to take hold of created things instead of the creator. We have our own plans for our lives and we use our resources to accomplish them. Resources given to us by our heavenly father. We don't want anybody telling us what we can and can't do with these things. Well, the father divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, which was given to him, and he took a journey into a far country. Instead of using the father's gifts in a life of thanksgiving, the youngest son used his father's gifts to get as far away from his father as he possibly could. Have you used the gifts that God has given you in this way from time to time? Instead of using these gifts as a source of thanksgiving, using them as a source to further us in our sin. Well, for the, ones, for the son in our parable, he used his father's gifts to leave him. He went to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. He not only went as far from his father as he could, he went and he gave his father a bad name in that place. In our baptism, God has put his name upon us. Yet there are many times when we give our Heavenly Father a bad name among non-Christians by the way that we live around them. The prodigal son soiled his father's name by his lifestyle. It makes me sometimes think, how do we live after we move away from from our parents, from our house? Is it it such a way that people would say, boy, that seems like a good family? Or is it in such a way where people would say, man, that family seems crazy? (laughs) Well, we bear God's name upon us. Are people saying, boy, Christians are, are loving and kind? Or are they saying, if that guy's a Christian, I don't want any part of it? The prodigal son soiled his father's name by his lifestyle. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. This boy used his father's wealth to get away from his father so that he could be self-sufficient. But his plans fell short. 
even with all of these things that he had, he still found himself to be in need. Before his journey began, he probably thought, boy, if I can get, if I can get the things that, that, that my father has, I'm going to be satisfied. And he has a lot, so I know I'm going to be set up for quite a while. Well, the things he had led him to a greater place of need. It's kind of like us when we have a temptation. The devil points out something that we're not supposed to have. He says, but look, if you can just get that one thing, then you're going to be satisfied. If you can just get it, then you'll be on easy street. We all know from experience that when we commit the sin that promised us satisfaction, we feel worse than when we started. We feel this way because when we turn to those things, we abandon our Heavenly Father's care. Like the prodigal, we aren't even recognizable as our Father's child. The parable continues. He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. The son was now in a world where everyone acted toward him like he had acted towards his father. They only wanted things from him. They didn't want a relationship with him. No one gave him anything. Now remember, his father was a wealthy man, and here he was feeding and living among unclean animals. This is what sin does to us. It's done it to me, and I'm sure it's done it to you as well. It takes us farther than we want to go from, and takes from us more than we want to give. And it keeps us longer than we want to stay. Sin takes and never gives. Sin is also no respecter of persons. It wants to take us to despair and death to the place where it appears as there is no hope. That's where the prodigal, that's where he was. He was at rock bottom. But then a miracle happened. Jesus continues his story. It says, but when the son came to himself, He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. In our lives, when we hit hit rock bottom, it is the Holy Spirit, through the Word, who brings us back to ourselves. He reminds us who our Heavenly Father is. He reminds us that with our God, 
There is forgiveness. There is everlasting life. This was earned for us by the one who is called our brother, Jesus himself. And the Holy Spirit also shows us how to confess our sin. Like the prodigal son, we recognize that we are poor, miserable sinners. And as the prodigal son journeyed home, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I want you to notice that the father did this even before the son could confess his sins. Why is this important to notice? Well, sometimes as a, as a father, I, I'm not the greatest that I could be. Sometimes when I, when I see uh, my, my child into despair, I want to wait back, watch for him to come to me, make a full confession, and then I reach down and say, I forgive you, and I love you. The moment this father saw contrition, he was already at the father. I love this picture. The son can't even bear to look at the father, and yet the father has him in his embrace, kissing his forehead. He didn't even have a chance to say he was sorry yet. And the Bible says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Long before we ever felt sorry for our sins, long before we ever despaired over our sins, Jesus died for our sins. And way before we started walking towards our Heavenly Father, and way before we confessed one sin, He saw us, felt compassion, and ran and embraced us and kissed us. Through the cross of Jesus, God wraps His arms around you and the entire hurting world. And then, Sobbing in his father's chest, the son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am not worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. He is found. And they began to celebrate. Our Heavenly Father also clothed us. He clothed us in the robe of righteousness on our baptism day. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you have not been baptized, God desires to be your father. And I would be happy to talk with you about him. 
And if you have been baptized and your robe has slipped off from your running away from your heavenly Father, in confession and absolution, your Father reinstates you as His child and puts your robe back on you. And He prepares a meal for you at the table of the Lord. He feeds you not with the sacrifice of a fattened calf, but with the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Your Father is happy to have you back, and so should be the people in His household. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. In our parable, there was one person, there was one person who is not happy to see the prodigal son back in the fold. It was his older brother. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. I can almost see him like excited as he tells the brother. But the oldest son was angry and he refused to go in. Sometimes we who are in the church week in and week out, we who volunteer to do everything, can feel like we're taken advantage of by the younger ones in the faith. We feel unappreciated for all that we do and all that we've done. This is how the oldest son felt. When he saw the youngest son, who never appreciated what his father had given him, it ticked him off. It ticked him off. It would be like us saying, well, if they get the same privileges as me, who does everything then I'm not going to do anything. (laughs) In fact, I'm not even going to go to that church anymore. (laughs) That's happened a lot, unfortunately. When we feel that way, our Heavenly Father comes to us. Just as you notice, He came to the older son. He not only came to the younger son, He came to the older son as well. His father came out and, I love this word, entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yeah, right. (laughs) But yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, when he comes back, You killed the fattened calf for him. Notice he even points out the magnitude of the son's sin. And note, he's also keeping track of the youngest son's sin. He's not ready to forgive. He knows exactly what he's done. He was so bad that he went and he was out sleeping with prostitutes. All that inheritance you gave him, Wasted on pleasure. We don't want to be people that keep track of other people's sins. 
unless it's to help them. Unless it's to go and say, hey brother, what have you been doing? Come back home. We want you to come back home. This isn't you. This isn't you. I know who you are. You and I have the same father. Let's come back home. That's the only reason we should be keeping track of each other's sins. Is to call each other back home. But he was keeping track of other people's sins in order to say, look, I'm better than the younger brother. If anybody should get anything, it's me, not him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost. He's found. In our parable, both brothers thought more about promoting themselves than they did about promoting each other, than they did about their father's care. This is our temptation as well. Our prayer is that no matter whose shoes we find ourselves in, and I want you to note, you're going to find yourselves in both the younger son's shoes, and there's going to be times when you're judging others and finding yourself in the older son's shoes. I'm in both shoes all the time. And I'm sure that you are as well. But our prayer is that no matter whose shoes we find ourselves in, we would recognize the Heavenly Father who reaches out to us through His Son, who forgives our sins and strengthens our faith. He strengthens our faith in Him and He transforms us to care about our other brothers and sisters. And I pray this for you, and I pray this for me. Now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.